Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today with me, I have Erica Andresen, who is a business continuity expert. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Now, for people that don't quite know what business continuity is, do you want to do a quick introduction to what that actually is? Sure, sure. Um, I think the best way to explain business continuity for those who don't know, because people assume originally that it's uh, succession planning, which is a very small aspect of business continuity. But I like to use an analogy that most people can relate to. So let's say you are driving um, and that's your goal to go from point A to point B. If you do risk management, that means you'll have a map with an overlay of some of the potholes that you're going to encounter on the road. So you're driving along, but maybe there's some cattle in the road or maybe there's a rock slide or a massive accident, which prevents you from moving forward because you have that in one lane and the pothole in the other lane. Business continuity is you pull over, pop open your trunk, pull out a bucket of, of asphalt and a shovel, fill in the pothole and continue on your way. So it really picks up where risk management fails because you can never eradicate risk. You can only mitigate risk. Okay. And like, what's what are some examples of like where that might trip people up along the way if they don't account for this? Oh, everywhere. It's honestly everywhere. It's funny. Some people assume it's a very it's just limited, like maybe it's a cybersecurity. But cybersecurity is only one small aspect of business continuity. It could also be if there's a disaster, um, being a natural disaster, perhaps. So if there's hurricanes and or what you guys call cyclones, if that's coming and inundating land with water and flooding, how are you going to do your business accounting for that? It could also be something simple as a disruption. A disruption could be if you have a key piece of machinery that you need to operate your business that stops working. So if you have just that and nothing else, that becomes a single point of failure. So it is making sure that you have a backup and even better, a backup to a backup of everything you have. In addition, that, that you can identify that you need a backup generator, for example. It's another thing to go out and buy it. And it's another thing to go out and hook it up. And it's another thing to have gasoline or petrol to allow it to work. So there's all these things within businesses. And it's not even just the business as, as one massive operation, but even within certain departments, there are things you need to do in HR. There are things you need to do in IT. There are things you need to do in sales because everybody, everybody's role in a business is super unique in order to make all the cogs in the business work. So when you figure out what those are, and then you also figure out how they interplay with each other, then you wind up making your business more robust and more resilient. Yeah, I mean, I I think of that as like the um, you know, a lot of a lot of people that want to hire our service typically have like tried to bring marketing in house, and and unless they sell marketing, like having a virtual assistant do some stuff or like. Uh, someone that's just a graduate with no support there's like actually more of a risk because like they can spend all this time training that one person and then that person leaves and then all that time in training and all the skills everything around what made the marketing successful if it was successful it's just gone you know next month so it was like for people less than a million uh that weren't uh you know, selling marketing services mm-hmm. didn't really make yeah. much sense to build out that that in-house team. It became a, a single point of failure. So I suppose like what's 
for a lot of the people that that you come across, obviously, maybe cybersecurity does come up a little bit as you mentioned it. But but what are some of the things that um, people typically maybe underestimate as the single point of failure? Like they get a little bit arrogant around it. Like, oh, that's that's fine. That's fine if it is this single point of failure. It, it's sad. that is such a loaded question because. I'll tell you that almost everything is what people underestimate as being a problem because there is this optimism bias. Um, that's pretty much where everybody assumes. So let's say there is a 30% chance of something terrible happening. Everybody assumes they're in that 70%. That is a mathematical impossibility. 100% of people cannot be in that 70%. They will also assume that somebody else is going to come in and take care of it. So in-house, they think, oh, another department's got it undercover. Probably not. They may think, oh, I have a vendor. I've outsourced this. The vendor knows how to do this and, and they have, a, they'll never stop. They'll, they'll always be continuous. That's not true either because I guarantee you, actually I know for a fact, Google does business continuity, but Google Drive and Google Cloud does go down for hours at a time every once in a while. So there's a lot of stuff, even let's talk even like small business. For one example, I have a client who is a solopreneur she is a baker, makes stuff from her home. And when I first talked to her about business continuity, she read my book and she was she was one of my pre-readers. And she's like, hey, I, you know, I really learned a lot about business continuity. That's awesome. I don't think I could use it though until I grow. And I was like, all right, hold my beer. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And then I started asking her, and, and this is kind of how I make the magic happen is I ask in a Socratic method kind of like, so tell me, how do you make cupcakes? I know how to make cupcakes, right? But I'm not the expert. She is, but she's too much of an expert. She will gloss over the simple things. So she's like, all right, I need eggs and flour and sugar. And I'm like, okay, how many people do you have as your vendors? What do you mean? I'm like, who do you order from? Well, this person, do you have a backup to that person in case they're not available? She's like, no. I said, okay, cool. Let's continue. What else do you need? And let's get super basic. And she'd be like, well, um, I guess I said, do you need an oven? She's like, I do. She said, do you have one of those? She's like, I do. I go, what does it require? Gas or electric? She's like, gas. I said, okay, what if the gas goes out just in your house? Do you have another place near you you can cook? She's like, no. I go, what if it's a neighborhood-wide problem? Can you go somewhere outside your neighborhood? Do you have an alternative kitchen? She's like, no. I said, all right, what if the power goes out? Can you make icing without the power? She's like, no. I said, do you have a safety supply stock? And that is a bigger term for somewhat something that's in like manufacturing and warehousing. A safety supply stock is making extra in advance that you keep in a warehouse, and then you'll keep replenishing that once it starts expiring. So you have you always have like maybe about a three month or more supply available if something goes wrong. So we're talking about icing, and she's like, "Well, I can make it room temp for like a week in advance. If I have to put in the refrigerator, it can last a month. If I freeze it, it can last six months. I go, have you done any of that? She went, no. I said, okay, cool. What if one of your daughters gets injured and has to go to the, the emergency room and you have a client order due in an hour? If you had a safe supply stock, you wouldn't have to make a decision. You can do both. And she's like, wow, there's a lot of stuff I need to do. And when I checked in on her weeks later, as she was implementing everything I told her to do, because it was a lot more than just that, she's like, you know, I didn't think I could use business continuity until I grew. And I realized I can't grow until I do business continuity. And that's the thing too, is like, there's so much going on in a business. So think about this too. People will call for emergency services 
every single day, all day long. The police and the fire department are not just sitting there throughout the day. You don't hear about it unless it's a massive event that's really catastrophic and you know should be in the headlines. But there's stuff they're doing every single day that you never hear about. And that's the same in every business. You have all these hiccups happening every single day and they become business as usual. But if you don't know about them, you're not prepared for them, it could be more than a hiccup to you. So that's really what business continuity is trying to get you into a place where you're not in complacency. You're thinking about things and you're looking out for things and you're going, oh, all right, never thought about that. And that's why it's helpful having somebody from the outside come in because it's kind of like editing your own paper. You can't. You're too close to it. You're never going to see all the spelling mistakes. You're not going to see the, the words that are missing because you, you just your brain will also fill the information that's there. You're too close. It's, um, I think for a lot of our listeners as well, they're typically solopreneurs or maybe they have a virtual assistant, typically, not all. But I, I see that like single point of failure often being, um, again, people in, people in this audience being people that make the business heavily reliant on themselves and don't really account for anything that could go wrong if they're sick for two weeks or they need, they want to take a holiday or you know, any of those sort of things. I mean, there's, there's so much that can kind of go wrong when the business owner is a single point of failure, right? Like how to, how can people consider that when they're the single point of failure? What, what would you say to someone? Well, it depends on what their business is. I mean, one of the, the beautiful images I like to, to tell business owners is, don't you want to be the business owner who number one goes on holiday and number two, while they're on holiday, their brain is not thinking about what's going on with their business back home. It's because you've set up all these systems and processes to make sure that your business is fine without you being there. And, um, well, I knew I was going somewhere and this always happens. My brain goes so far. I was going to make it. <laughs> well, I think we, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of, yeah. You're back. <laughs> um, so if you're like, a uh, a pub, if you're an accountant or a lawyer and you're very specified like profession with a license, there's this thing called a um, continuation agreement you could do for a practice. So you can make a grant, like say you have to go for a surgery that requires some recovery or you're maybe you're a mom or a dad and you're going to, you know, you're having a kid. So you want to go on maternity leave or paternity leave. There are some things you can do to enable your practice to continue while you still have your quality of life being a brand new mom or brand new dad or recovering from a surgery. And it's usually through these continue, um, continuation agreements that you have with like professionals who will pick up some of the slack for you for a limited amount of time. And then as you come back, you could take your clients back. Or another thing that, that's been done is you can hire an intern that you work with in advance of you having to go on leave. So like you can still be remote and mobile and then you know also agile with being able to respond to your business inquiries, but you're putting the onus on somebody else that you trust who has either been trained by you for the short term or is another professional in your industry that you trust and you know they're not going to steal your clients. You could also write that into the agreement that they're not stealing your clients. Yeah, which would be, an, I'm sure there'd be a fair few people that are worried about that. Um, and, and I suppose, like, how, how did you get into business continuity? Like, it's not something that's like, I think as important as it is i don't think it's something that a lot of people like naturally 
know about or like you know, strive to go into like how, how did you how did you come across it so this is this is the interesting part of my story okay <laughs> so i started out i'm gonna go it's gonna give the short version if i can um but it's it's my life for the last 20 years i started out as a corporate lawyer and um i was helping rich corporations in the banks stay rich and i was not a fan of doing that in 2008 because i was helping defend the banks that caused the world economy to collapse and that um, was not fulfilling for me. And I started doing pro bono work for veterans at that time, at the same time. And I was like, wow, I actually feel like I'm using my law degree for something really good. So I decided to leave the corporate world, take a $70,000 pay cut and join the active duty military so I could do that um, full time. So I was a JAG officer, which is you know, a lawyer for the American military. And I did that for 10 years. And some of my jobs in that, first of all, every single person in the military, we call it continuity of operations. Because you think about it this way, our military is a global international corporation that operates 24 seven with one mission. And if any part of those cogs fail, then the mission is at risk of failing and that's unacceptable. So we're always making sure and it's just brought into our practice on a, on the daily that we're always continuous and we're always able to go on. So like even when you talk earlier about somebody with all this institutional knowledge leaving a, a company, um, what I had to do every single time I moved jobs, because they would move us every one to two to three years, is I had to create a binder called uh, a continuity book where I had to put in all the resources, all the projects I was on and all, everything they, they could do. So literally what they, they, they couldn't do it as good as me because I'd been doing it for a year but they have a really good start coming in, opening a binder. And they're like, oh, this is everything I need to know how to do this job and do it successfully. And I'll get better at it, you know, in a month or two and whatnot. So um, another thing I was doing in the military was advising on operations, domestic and international. And I was an emergency operations center legal advisor. And that involves emergency management type of stuff. So natural disaster response. We wound up having a natural disaster happening on our installation. It is outside of our installation where there's a state of emergency with massive flooding. And I was like, wow, I kind of really like this. This is like cool to be able to help out on this and, and not just be the lawyer that says, no, we can't. We don't have the authority. But like, oh, yes, we can. I can find authority on how to do this and how to help people. And then I decided to get a degree, a master's of public administration. Um, which aligns that I was like, if I ever got out of the military, I could use this degree to do something more like this. So then flash forward to me getting out of the military. Uh, I decided to get out because I was getting older and I was single and I want to keep moving around and I wanted more control for my life. So I got out and decided to start my own company. I was in, actually inspired when I was in Afghanistan in 2016 while finishing up my schoolwork. Uh, there was an article from businesses that had suffered through Superstorm Sandy in New York, and they were asking the business owners the same questions. And the final question being, what are you doing to prepare for the next time this happens? And almost every single one of them said, oh, this isn't going to happen again. And I was like, oh, dear God, you're so wrong. Like, you need to pay me to tell you how wrong you are. And that that was the first part. That was the first time I had an idea about starting my own business doing this. And then right before I got out, I was walking down the street and there was a restaurant that had closed. And I was like, oh no, they shut down. And my buddy goes, who cares? They sucked. And I go, okay, not the point. I feel bad that somebody had a dream of having this restaurant and it's now dead. And then everybody that worked for them no longer has a paycheck. And they have to go home and tell somebody they can't afford rent. They can't afford food. 
they and they also can't afford anything about you know that enhances their life like enjoyment and i'm like if if that could help people business owners in particular not have that happen to them that would make me super happy and that's kind of how i got to where i am so yeah it it is funny how much we underestimate the risks in our business and think that stuff will, will never come about um i suppose like everyone really wants to everyone wants to grow i mean we definitely notice that in like the marketing space everyone wants to like get more leads and like close convert more of their leads you know which is obviously important um but like yeah if you can't service those people that you sell into your program for whatever reason then like you know it, it, your it listeners just... can't see me i'm doing a happy clap right now because you are <laughs> one of the first people who got this point without me having to spell it out because everyone's like oh i got the sales dialed in and the marketing dialed in i'm like good for you you don't have a business to open to actually do these things and collect the money for doing these services because you failed because you didn't do business continuity you got that job i'm so happy <laughs> well I, I i probably got that just from like we've we went through that as a business like we've run into all those you know mistakes of you know relying on one payment processor and you can't take payment so like you know everything kind of has to stop until you fix that um we've, we've run into stuff where you know, zoom isn't working so you can't like do your group coaching calls or like the video like you know our video editors uh like lose internet for the day so there's like a whole day of work across like a bunch of people for our clients yeah so what expectations did we set for our clients you know if we said it was gonna be a 48 hour turnaround and you know we we can't guarantee that stuff's gonna happen you know so there's be an ad for business continuity because it's like (laughs) you could have figured all this out before it happened how much happier would you have been oh yeah we 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 would have avoided so many so many issues i think i think that's that's the important thing here right like that you're saying it's like we just don't you don't think you need it until you really need it and then it's like you're kind of screwed and it could cost you a lot more I mean, I think last time we were talking as well, there's some advantages to getting a continuity plan outside of just the the risks management side. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, so um, there's there's multiple things. The first thing is if you have business insurance and you have a business continuity plan, you can get your premium reduced up to 20% for just having a plan. And if people are like, how does that happen? So um, I don't remember if this is a thing in, in Australia. I did live in Australia for a little bit. You know that, but your listeners don't. Um, I don't remember if with uh, car insurance, if you have something like defensive driving class or an alarm, it reduces your premium. Same thing with business insurance. If you have business continuity plan, you're showing the insurance company that number one, you cared enough to put this effort in to make sure that you're not going to fail. And secondly, if you are going to have to make a claim, it's going to be for a lot less than it would have been if you've done nothing and they want to reward you for that. So that's number one. Number two, if you are, you know, subject to a disaster of some sort, if you are trying to fix it after the fact, it is a lot more expensive than if you do it beforehand. 
because number one, you're doing it on the disasters terms and the terms of the people who are trying to help because this is now a, a thing that's in demand. So when things are in demand, people raise their prices. It's also a figure um, in the US anyway, that for every $1 spent in preparation saves you $7 on the back end. So if you spend $1 to, to, to do preventative measures, you're not spending seven later to fix up the mess. And then I know within the US and potentially in Australia, there are certain grants available to businesses, small business in particular, if you have a business continuity plan and you register for this grant in advance, then they wind up, if you have a disaster hit you, and because you had a plan, they will give you five grand free and clear. You don't have to pay it back to help you recover. And I'm sure there, there should be programs like that in Australia. I would be surprised if they didn't have them. I, I'm sure I'm sure there probably are. And I, I mean, I even, um, on the side of like people trying to sell their business, I know a lot of people have run into issues where like, they get to the point where they want to start something new and they've got, because the business was like either solely reliant on them or they only really had like one lead generation source or yeah, again, heaps of single points of failure. Um, it made it really, really hard for them to be able to sell the business because someone was looking at that as like, you know, Hey, this, there's way too much risk in this business. And someone's like, yeah, what do you, for them, it's like, oh, this makes complete sense. Like, this is a, what do you mean? Like, this is a great business. It's earning, you know, yeah, uh, $500,000 a year and it's like 70% profit. Who wouldn't want this business? But yeah, if it's uh, completely reliant on the business owner and ads as the only source of, uh, income for the business, then it's uh, a huge risk. Also imagine if you're trying to even vet a vendor for your own business, if they're like, hey, this is what I do. And by the way, we have a continuity plan. So in the event our stuff goes down, the shit's not going to hit the fan because we've already planned for that. We have these backups. Now, now when you're comparing your, your vendors, who are you going to go with? The one that you know is going to be there for you and not fail. And if they are going to fail, they have planned for that. And it's going to be a minimal disruption, if anything at all. Yeah, well, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'd I'd one hundred percent want to go with the person that I. I think it's like even um, you know, anything where there's perceived risk, people are like a lot more like afraid to jump in and and invest with that person. Like people want to see that there's like been measures taken to avoid shit going wrong if they're going to invest with someone like you, you want to know that like there's stuff in place to prevent stuff going wrong like right. yeah and, and that you're talking about selling businesses there are people so i i work with some law firms you know that's you know because i was I'm, I'm a recovering lawyer i don't consider myself a lawyer anymore recovering but you know, I, lawyer, I like that <laughs> almost 20 i'm actually if you can see that i was admitted to new south wales so i was also a lawyer in australia too for a bit um so when they do mergers and acquisitions a lot of times the acquiring company will have a questionnaire to the acquired company and one of the questions is do you have a business continuity plan that skyrockets the value of that business i've also talked to venture capitalists i'm like you should make business continuity plans a condition of investing in a company because it is another layer of protection 
for your investment. And they're like, oh my God, I never thought of that. It's funny how much people don't think about these things, but I do all the time. And it's, it's this way my brain works. So I was talking once to a, a CFO of a fully remote company about things that they do. And I was like, all right. So he was talking a lot about cyber being one of their biggest concerns. Like they know it's a problem and they also know that they're not 100% covered and prepared for it, no matter how much training and, and investment they do in it. And I was like, okay, um, so you're not worried about physical. He's like, oh God, no, because we're fully remote. I said, uh-huh. How many employees do you have? He's like 120. I said, okay. And are they all in your state? He's like, oh no, they're across the United States. I said, okay. Are they clustered anywhere? And he goes, um, I said, you mean like, you know, maybe Houston, Texas, maybe Tampa, Florida, maybe the North Carolina coast. And he goes, yeah, actually we have quite a few in the North Carolina coast. And he's not yet piecing together why I'm asking. So I go, do you want to know why I'm asking? And he goes, yeah. I go, so hurricanes. And he goes, oh yeah, like three years ago, we have like 20 employees in the North Carolina coast who couldn't work for two weeks. I go, okay. So remember how you told me you don't have a physical structure to worry about? He said, yeah. I go, you have 120 to worry about. And he went, oh, oh. Like he didn't think about it that way because everybody who works from home, those, those 20 people couldn't work for two weeks. That workload had to go somewhere else. So either they're gonna fail or they're gonna have things, processes and people in place to pick up that workload. So these are things like, again, and it's also, I'm a, a professor of emergency management too. So like my brain is so entrenched in all this stuff. Like I naturally think about this stuff because, and, and I'm passionate about it. I love it. I have favorite natural disasters, which sounds terrible because they're terrible things to happen. But I'm like, oh my God, I love wildfires. I'm really pissed off about what's going on in Maui right now because they had a report from the county in 2021 that said, hey, our wildfire, it, risk has increased exponentially because of these grasses that are non-native that have been brought in. We need to have an aggressive plan to get rid of them. We also need to be treating wildfires with more uh, attention. They didn't do anything about that. It's like, it's not, it's not some kook handing in an opinion piece. It was actually an official report by the county and they didn't do anything about it for two years. So frustrating. Yeah. And it's all, again, yeah, you only start thinking about it when it's too late. Exactly. Because that's the thing too. That's part of the, oh, I'm going to risk it and roll the dice. I'm, I'm really good at, you know, fixing things in the end. It's like, well, I hope you have a platform on which you can fix things because it might screw you up so bad you can't unscrew it. Mm. And, it, you know, and the funny thing too, I, like to talk, remember the first time we talked, you, you were like, wait, so I don't quite get what business continuity is. And I explained it to you. And I real, as you're telling me your actual real story, I'm like, you've always known what business continuity is. You just know what to call it. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people do. Like, oh, I, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. Why you would invest so much time and money in creating this baby that is your business and then not do anything to protect it. It's like, please let me help you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's um like I as from all the stuff that you've you've talked about, I often think about like when I was um talking to a financial advisor about my stuff, and you know we were looking at you know, aggressive investing strategies, but you know there was the whole other side of like yeah, how are we going to reduce risk? There's like you know, I I am much more concerned about like uh making sure we don't lose any money than whether or not we 
double the money or you know quadruple the money over the next whatever years he's like that's the the one rule the one rule is like never never lose any money if we never lose any money it'll be we'll be fine so we've just got to try and like yeah diversify and do everything that that was kind of like what when you piece it together for me that was like the example that i was able to sort of bring it in for you know and and again i suppose never losing any money is just being like really prepared for like everything that could go wrong with where you're placing your money but we we could go on about that stuff forever for you erica what is the impact that you want to have through helping people with business continuity so I alluded to it with the story about the restaurant that closed. Like I'm empathetic to a fault and I want to teach business owners to fish, not to skin them a recipe. So I feel that I am empowering business owners by educating them about business continuity. So they keep their dream alive. They keep their employees working and their employees are able to pay for both the necessities and things that enhance their lives. And they're often getting those things from other business owners. So this beautiful cycle of one business being there and thriving and surviving and everybody attached to it does. And then they're able to spend their money on other businesses and they're also surviving and thriving. And everybody everybody deserves to have a wonderful life. And if I can have a part of that, and that's not even, I'm not even puppet mastering. I'm just empowering you. I'm giving you the information and empowering you to be everything that you want to be and have the best life ever. That's that's where I get my, my power and my passion from. That's what I want to do. Awesome. Well, I think it's pretty evident. And if people after this want to get in contact with you or um, learn more about business continuity, where's the best place for them to do that? So my website is probably the easiest. It's www.eaasc.com. And uh, my business is EAS Consulting. So it's Erica as a service. It's my play on software as a service because you get me and my expertise. On that website, um, you can get my book, which is called How to Not Kill Your Business, Grow Your Business in Any Environment, Navigate Volatility, and Successfully Recover When Things Go Wrong. It's also available on Amazon. Um, I also have a link to a business readiness score. So anybody who is listening, they can go to my website. It's on the main landing page and you can do a business readiness score. It's kind of like a Cosmo quiz where you're going to get mostly A's, mostly B's, mostly C's and tell you how you're, you're faring. And then you can um, book an appointment with me to discuss your results and how you want to go forward. So there are multiple ways to, to work with me, but you know, uh, yeah, just tons of information i got a blog and all this other stuff on my website all the links to my social media my tiktok my instagram linkedin are there awesome thank you but we'll have that in the show notes and thank you very much for coming on and sharing your wisdom about business continuity thank you